Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Kuma. And join me to take your questions this evening are independent analyst Jimmy Muyaha and Rikas Riedis from PSG Wealth Ramsach. Do send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, gentlemen. Quite a confusing um Market sentiment uh, globally today, we did have the U.S. markets in the green, uh, which is quite strange considering the super hawkish comments that came out of Jerome Powell this week and the strong ADP uh, payrolls we got yesterday. We did get um, some bad news that could be good news today with uh, weekly jobless claims um uh, going up i think posting their highest level this year and then also you have that non-farm payrolls that we're waiting for tomorrow so we had the u.s markets in the green uh, european markets in the red jc slightly down um rickus what did you make of the trading day that was well um our current account just came out at about 11 o'clock and that's around about when our local market bottomed and we recovered after that i think part of that has to do with the response of the U.S. market to today's labor um, report. Obviously, the important one is tomorrow, non-farm payrolls. And I think also, um, again, U.S. markets just sitting back and taking a look at the last day's worth of Jerome Powell's um, testimony before U.S. Congress, where he sort of, I would assume, I would say softened his stance as far as interest rates are concerned. We know that's going to stay higher for for longer, but just reiterating that it still is data driv driven, so they can change their mind. So I think uh, US markets took a little bit of um, positivism from from that, and that um, spilled over to our market. But let's face it, our as far as our local economic data is concerned, specifically with the S and P five hundred or the S and P uh, um, ratings downgrade last night, that's still looking very dim and if you take a look specifically in our market everything that went down today was consumer related everything that stabilized was a little bit of resources and rand ages um just on that anything that was consumer related uh jimmy what is that a function of is that still the markets digesting that gdp print from the fourth quarter of 2022 are there other other factors that are affecting um what's happening there well, that is in part uh, some of the, the movement that you're seeing. But what you're also seeing is all of your consumer-based stocks, uh, all of your retailers, um, all of your, your shop rights, your Mr. Prices, your TFGs, um, have been contending with the exact same thing that's resulted in a sustained weakness in the RAND, that's resulted in the sustained weakness of our local currency, that's resulted in the downgrade, the energy insecurity problem problem of load shedding now means that all of these retailers and all of these consumer-based stocks are now uh, having their margins eaten into by the fact that they have to account for load shedding. Now, whether they account for it by buying Tesla walls, whether they account for it by increasing their diesel spend, um, however we look at it, if you, if you take ShopRite as an isolated example, the increased billion rand that ShopRite's been reporting saying that they've had to pay for diesel is a billion rand that's coming out of their margins, coming out of their profits. So consumers in South Africa are strained from an expenditure point of view because of the elevated inflation and interest rate levels. And so disposable income is low already. But on top of that, where they're supposed to then go and spend, those guys are affected by 
um, the load shedding situation. So now consumers are prioritizing things uh, like necessities. Consumers are spending more on groceries than they are on leisure type items and that sort of thing. And that's naturally going to happen in a high inflationary environment. But now this is now being compounded by the fact that in addition to the fact that your consumers are taking less trips to the stores, the stores themselves have to contend with higher costs to maintain the exact same service offering. So that's not boding well for uh, the local sentiment. It's not boding well for um, all guys operating locally. And if you look at um, some of the other data that's come out this week as well, uh, Rick has mentioned the um, S&P ratings that came out yesterday. We know that we also got RMB um, business confidence index uh, numbers that came out, and that was also less than positive to say the least. Um, and, and so you're seeing that the data points in South Africa point to uh, a very gloomy picture. We're seeing that despite recent events that we've had in South Africa, despite uh, the budget speech, despite the cabinet reshuffle, despite uh, the gray listing of South Africa, the RAND has remained at elevated levels above 18 RAND against the dollar, above 22 RAND in some, at some instances against the pound. And we're just not seeing that element of positivity because it simply isn't there at the stage within the market. And so um, at, it doesn't matter what level you're looking at it, some stocks are going to weather the storm a bit better than others, but the overall sentiment on the South African picture and on the South African equity space is not a good one. Yeah. Um, we actually did see the financial 15 today uh, being the only one in the green. Uh, there's a question here uh, on APSA. Please could you ask the panel whether APSA is a buy at uh, these levels. Um, Rikas, do you think that th the banks uh, will be quite cheap for a while because of the um, economic backdrop that they're operating under. Just APSA and then if you think that they're going to remain uh, cheap for a while. Well, I think it's not a bad place to hide considering what I said and considering what, what Jimmy has said. And, and um, just by the way, I think, I, I think APSA is um, from the banks, you know, probably my number one or two choice. But but just following on from what Jimmy said, as far as your consumer spend is concerned, where they're concentrating on um, necessities of which, you know, the guys that kind of go and um, push the volumes at places like ShopRite, they're spending on solar. And take a look at Standard Bank's results today. Where was their growth as far as their um, clients were concerned was on spend on solar. That actually did well. They are giving out those to people who are electrifying um, the houses by by alternative means. So, in that sense, yep. Well, well, the banks are going to make money out of that um, going forward, considering where they are priced at the moment, considering their dividend yields. I think, if not a specific growth sector in the long term, considering the the economic backdrop in South Africa, in the short to medium term, it's not a bad bad place to be. Yeah, and actually, um, in an interview uh, earlier on that um, uh, the business lunch team had with Sim Chabalala, he was actually quite still bullish about the consumer, saying that, you know what, the consumer saved during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, the consumer is struggling, but they're still all right. Uh, Jimmy, uh, what are you making of um, the consumer and how the consumer relates to the banks looking at Standard Bank's results today? Well, from a banking perspective, it's it's uh, less about how they relate and more about the fact that the consumer doesn't really have a choice. 
So the something Rick has mentioned around a, a good place to hide is the banks because your banks are insulated from a high inflationary environment. Your banks, uh, high inflation, high interest rates, they're just going to get more on the loan on their loan books. But the, if you look at the trend of the banks in South Africa as well, they're not giving out loans. They're being extremely stingy with their loans at this point because they're protecting themselves as well. So the banks are going to be largely insulated from. Uh, significant market shocks that might be uh, experienced by other sectors. And that's why our financial sector is going to remain resilient um, even through this high inflationary environment. As for um, the, the interaction for the, with the consumer, um, as I rightly mentioned, there's, there, there's very little option for the, for, for the consumer. You're going to be repaying your loans. You're going to be taking out new credit. Um, your credit spend might increase uh, if, if your salary isn't getting you to the end of the month for those necessities that you in the past would have been able to get to the end of the month for, and that only stands to benefit the bank. So from a consumption point of view, whether you're consuming on credit, whether you're saving, whether you're paying back your loans, at this point, the banks are not necessarily going to feel it the same way as uh, retailers like the Fushini Group and Mr. Price, where you might not go into those stores at all because you don't have that disposable income. So the, the, the facilities and the operations that banks or the the services that banks are rendering to consumers are almost immune to what we are currently going through. And yeah. so consumers are going to continue to use those facilities regardless. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into coal. Uh, Tungela, if you look at the EPS of 125 rand for December 2022, compared to the 63 rand in December 2021, they paid a dividend of 60 rand per share last year. Surely the possibility is that uh, they're going to pay another good dividend. Is the share not totally undervalued? Rikas. Could be. <laughs> it sounds as if the question almost wants the right answer. Let's put it this way. Um, the earnings um, better than expected. Um, it all depends on exactly how much of that they're going to pay out in dividends. If they disappoint the market, share price is going to go down. Yeah. If it's better than expected, um, share price will hold steady. As I've mentioned before, I don't, I wouldn't like that price to go below 200 rand a share um, pre-div because um, you know it's just technically a support level. But the big thing is what's happening with the coal price going forward, specifically um, what your South African producer is going to is going to get um, and I think the jury is still out on that. Um, obviously the European energy crisis was less severe than expected with a, with, with a hot winter so there's probably less um, need to, to refill stocks for the next six months before the next winter but things can change. Um, yeah. The supply of energy from um, let's just say Eastern Europe stroke Russia is so finely balanced as far as their capabilities to a um, fix machines that break because and, and, and sanctions obviously and then weather dependent as far as Europe is concerned. We're not going to run out of energy. The problem is what price is going those different energy sources whether it be oil or gas or for that matter coal is going to um, trade at that, that marginal um, suppliers, yeah. um, depending on the need going forwards. And 
It's a bit binary as far as I'm concerned at the moment. Uh, well, second part of that question is, is it not a good time to buy this share? Uh, Rick is saying that he wouldn't like it to go below 200. Just we're now sitting above 200, Jimmy. Would it still be a good opportunity to go into Tungela? Look, from a share price perspective, um, I think a, a better estimation of the fair value is probably north of about 300 uh, to 320 rand. So 200 is a very good price point for that. But the factors that Rick has mentioned are factors to seriously contend with, particularly in the coal space. If you look at the fact that um, Tungela, from a diversification perspective, only recently diversified into the um, international space with that acquisition in Australia, um, prior to that, all of their concentration sat within South Africa, and of course that was largely affected, one, by demand or lack thereof uh, from China and from Europe, as we thought they might be, but secondly by the transnet. So it, it's all good and well that Tungela can get all of this tonnage out, can increase their production and all of that, but if they're not getting the, the tonnage to where it needs to get to from a destination perspective, they're not realizing revenue. They're not realizing revenue. It comes back to exactly what Rickus was saying around the fact that they're not going to be able to pay that dividend. So you, you can't pay a dividend on, um, on inventory, on stock on hand or whatever. You pay it on realized profits and realized revenues. So for as long as Tangela's um, infrastructure or, or supply chain disruptions continue, it's very difficult to see even at 200 rand, the, the share price pushing back towards that 300 rand fair value uh, mark that we're looking at. Because from a demand perspective, if we're not going to get Chinese mm -hmm. demand the way we anticipate we're going to get it, we've already seen that we're not going to get it from the rest of the world. We've already seen that um, the inflationary pressures and the macro environments that Europe and um, the Americas are contending with at this stage is not one that's feasible to commodities yeah. uh, unless you are in a unique position where you're able to hedge against some of your, your exposure from a commodity point of view. Yeah. Now, guys like Tungela are not able to because you're producing one commodity, one major commodity. And Rick has hit the nail on the head to say that unless we see significant energy demands um, or production demands, so energy demands out of Europe and production demands out of China, for example, it's unlikely that you'll see that that share price will give you much movement it might hold steady at this point, mm. uh, but I concur with Rickus. I don't want to see it below 200 rand because uh, at that point, I think it starts to become a problematic number uh, uh. to get back above the 200 rand level. There are two questions on Sasol. One is asking, is Sasol a buy at the current price? Um, yeah, so there's another one that says, uh, Standard has a target of 550. Um, the rand is weak. Oil price seems to weaken a little. Is Sasol a buy. Rickus, buy, hold, or sell? Jimmy mentioned during the break that, that the Sassel story is basically the Tungela story or vice versa, and I, and I tend to agree with that. The one variable is, um, you know, uh, before the break, we spoke about energy, and to a large extent, Sassel is still, um, you know, the the oil ran price. Chemical side of business obviously also has um, an influence, and that again depends on demand from China and 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 that kind of thing. But coming back to the variable that is under Sasol's control, and that's the um, production side of thing, where they've had serious problems, whether it be with plants breaking down or getting the right feedstock in. If they can. Um, I have a positive on that. It would make the investment case for Sasol better. Um, but that doesn't mean I think it's a buy at the, mo at the moment. I think it is a hold. But let's say they get the production side up 
um, the there's no shocks as far as oil is concerned or on the chemical side is concerned um, then one can I think make the argument that at these prices it's not a bad entry point so if if you've got it I would hold it um, if you haven't got it let's see what happens with the operation side of thing and and that will sort it out by the time we know more about what's going to happen with the worldwide energy situation yeah I mean, there's uh, there's uh, also a school of thought um, that's okay. saying that, you know what, uh, Sasol is also largely becoming uh, a chemicals business. And I'm wondering, Jimmy, how much do you still peg your investment uh, thesis of Sasol to the oil price? Look, I think more and more you're starting to see that uh, movement away from that business. But uh, as Rick has rightly mentioned, we haven't gotten to that point yet. There is still a large component of Sasol's business that is linked to the oil price and linked to the performance of oil. If you look at how their late Charles project eventually got online and that sort of thing, it's only now in the latest set of results that they uh, accounted for that reversal um, of, of valuation. Uh, I think it, it was to the tune of 3.6 billion rand, but that only came now after the project's been online for a year, maybe a year and a half. So the business itself is still going through that adjustment phase, and there's still some components of the business that are staples for Sasol, being the oil side of the business. So I think from a valuation point of view and a price point of view, we're sitting at about 260 rand a share at the moment. Um, we're likely uh, to trade within this range, possibly come down to 250 rand because it's a nice psychological level to see if we get a bounce off of. But again, um, I, I am on the same page as Rickus on this is that if it's a hold, it's not necessarily an entry point from this point. There's a lot that's still moving within the Sassol uh, stable that needs to stabilize um, for the lack of a better word, but needs to find some level of stability um, on their production side of things. And then we can look to see if this, the share price can move to the next leg or create the next leg to the upside. So we've seen a significant movement from uh, the below the 200 Rand level mark, uh, topping out just above 300 Rand. We're back now below towards that midpoint of 260, 250 Rand or so. I think before we see that next leg to the upside, there's a lot to be done. Um, Rickus, do you think that this target of 550 is uh, maybe too ambitious, quite a stretch? And I guess if you do uh, believe in that long-term uh, target of 550, then maybe these would be good levels for you to, to, to go into. What's your sentiment? Well, that's the thing with resource-related stocks. It can move to 550 or it can move to 150. I mean, yeah. it's it's it's... It is in their very nature to be um, to have extreme price movements, but uh, I find it difficult to forecast a fair value for any commodity price because they don't set the the price of their product. So um, I'm far more interested in what the momentum in the share price is telling me than yeah. um, any kind of valuation based on so many factors of which. Uh, depending where you start with them, depending on which factor all of a sudden turns out to be the biggest one influencing whether it be cash flow or operational capability. I mean, it's a, um, yeah, I wouldn't hang my hat on yeah. any kind of um, uh, price forecast, really. Um, uh, Jimmy, would you hang your hat on Purple Group? There's a question here. What are your thoughts on Purple Group? I have invested 180K 
at an average price of two rand three cents. What should I do because I'm panicking? Actually, just looking at that share price, it's almost halved. Um, Purple Group, uh, as a business, uh, is doing quite a bit. There's there's a lot within that business uh, that is adding value. I mean, the easy equities side of the business. Uh, arguably is probably going to be one of their best performing units. Uh, it's outperforming their CFD business. Um, from a business model point of view and from an investment point of view, uh, from a financial services business, it is a good business. Uh, I wish the viewer had gotten in now at one rand thirty because that's a more attractive price than at, at two rand. Uh, but I think at this point, your um, business or business like Purple Group might benefit from uh, exploring the option or exploring the possibility of uh, trimming down some of their offerings and trimming down some of uh, their non-performing business units. And I say this because it allows the business to unlock value without necessarily unbundling the rest of its business. Um, the, 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 the valuation and I think the, um, the, the portfolio composition that Easy Equities brings into the Purple Group stable is something that is carrying a lot more weight uh, in terms of having to carry a lot of some of the other non-performing units. And that's probably what's dragging the share price down at this stage as well. Um, but overall, I think at this at this point, if you got in at two rand a share and we're sitting at about one rand 30 a share um, and you've invested such a large amount, uh, it, it wouldn't make too much sense to get out of the share price at this. Mm. Uh, you, you hold, you weather the storm and um, you hope that they deliver a good set of results that's going to point towards um, that unlocking of value, because I think at this point, um, there's a lot that Purple Group can and is able to do that can add towards the value on uh, their product side, uh, especially with all of the licensing mm. that they have locally. If you look at uh, leveraged products and you look at equity type of product and the fact that they target the retail investor, yeah. um, I think there's just one or two things that they could be doing a little differently that would give them a better share price. Uh, all right. Uh, Rikas, um, just coming to you with a different question. Um, is Pepco a buy at these levels? Uh, we we're talking about those uh, consumer-facing stocks um, being under pressure because of the macroeconomic challenges. Um, but I mean, Pepco is really quite a resilient uh, stock, even though it does serve that lower LSM. Um, what do you, would you be buying Pepco at, the, at, this, at this point? Well, no, because um, not because I think Pepco is a bad business. Yeah, I think you've I, I think you've now that I. Um, as far as the market that they serve up are concerned, that's your price sensitive market and people are masters at managing that. Um, but the fact remains that um, even though it might be a good business, even, might, even though it might be the best, the best business in that sector, mm. if the sector in which it operates, if those, um, if the shares that for part of that sector, if those price, if if the price momentum of those specific companies are down, it doesn't matter whether you buy a good business or a bad business. Mm. What you've got to do is buy a very good business business at a very good price, and you can use a fundamental valuation for that. And and you might be very proud of your of the value that you think it is and where you buy, but you're not going to be that happy if the price falls further. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, at the moment, the prices of Pepcor or Mr. Price or Truist or Fashino are all pointing down. Wait for that trend to stop 
and then go and take a look and say, right, prices seem to have been or are bottoming out. What is going to get me the best value according mm. to fundamentals and then go and make that decision? But trying to catch a knife on the way down is, yeah. is never it's never good for a for a restful night's sleep. Ah, uh, all right, all right. Uh, well, gentlemen, let's get to your stock picks. Uh, there is a question that came through for EOH, uh, but uh, we'll be tackling that tomorrow at one p.m. on Business Lunch. Uh, Jimmy, we've got thirty seconds uh, each. What's your stock pick? Uh, sticking with what Rick has said, uh, buy a good company at a good price. Uh, stock pick is on the resources side. I know it seems a bit risky given where we're sitting, but I like the diversification as I always have. It's an old favorite. It's Sibanye. We're sitting at 37 Rand a share. We could potentially come all the way down to 30 Rand a share. It's not too concerning, but the diversification from a mining perspective, the EV play that they're still going with, the fact that they've recently acquired um, acquisitions in uh, Australia, Finland, so they're spread out across Europe and Australasia, and they're now able to then, with their new operations, meet supply into China outside of South Africa, makes it very attractive for me at this price point. Uh, all right. Uh, what are you hanging your hat on, uh, Rikus? <laughs> so, th sticking with the theme of theme I've had for the past three, four months, semiconductors, um, given the sanctions and the problems China's having, which uh, used or still are, but are going to have problems uh, making and exporting this stuff. So looking at global companies, it's on semiconductor. They're not at the high end like advanced micro devices, but they're very diversified. Um, they will benefit from anything that is negative for China. Um, and current valuation, not that expensive. You know, they're sitting on a historic price earnings of about... 19 um i think advanced micro devices is about 96 or whatever yeah or 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 another way of putting it uh price to cash flow around about 20 versus amd at about 30. so sector i like um not expensive and um looking forward geopolitically i think it's the right kind of business and the right kind of market to be in Ah, all right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for your time and your analysis today. My guests, independent analyst Jimmy Muyaha and Rikas Riedis from PSG Wealth Remzig. I'll be back again with Stock Watcher tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m.